This is the Marketing Intern Spotlight, where we are committed to unlock how every marketing intern has an innate ability to be an entrepreneur, motivator, and influencer. Welcome, Patrick and Sarah. The first marketing intern spotlight of October. What better guest to have than my older brother, Patrick and Sarah, for Sober October. Welcome. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. So, uh, Welcome. Great, great to have you, PI. Pie guy too, as most people call you in the streets. I'm excited to have you on. I mean, we've we uh, we had touched on sober October previously on our last episode on Monday, and it's it's a really weird, it's or to me it's it's foreign. I would say it's foreign, but it, in your perspective, it's not. And what's really cool is like you. What is it? Two years sober? Is that correct? Yeah, coming up actually uh, this month, October, October fourteenth. Really? It'll be two years. Right on. Yeah, man. That's, Works out great. Yes. That's phenomenal. So to give up, our marketing interns a little background, yeah. how about you detail, uh, you're my older brother, you're three years older than me, but maybe some other details about what you're currently up to and uh, what led you to the Twin Cities. Yeah. So I've been up, uh, I've been in Minnesota now for about two years. Um, I'm a student at Augsburg University, not too far away from here. Um, what else? I... Uh, I play a ton of softball, which is great. Avid softball player. Avid softball okay, player. Okay, let's touch on that real quick. So you've probably played, is it near 100 games this summer? It's got to be close. Because you just entered a third league, a third team. You yeah. were on two teams all summer long for 90-ish days, and then you just joined a fall ball team that is traveling, and someone recruited you, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I play, I play on Wednesday nights. I play on Friday nights, and uh, two different teams. And uh, you play two games each night. So it was four games a week for a long time. But while you're playing uh, on these two teams, there's tons of other teams, obviously, in the league. And um, at one point, you know, somebody came up to me. It's actually the commissioner, the guy that runs the Friday Night League. He uh, he came up to me and he was like, hey, you know, we're looking for an extra guy. We play tournament ball. Um, and uh, I was like, let's do it. I mean, why not, man? It was great. Always so I've been playing in a few tournaments too, as well. But for consistency, it's been the two. Play shortstop, bat, fifth in the lineup. Yeah, I. Uh, so Wednesday nights I've been batting fourth, and then actually Friday nights I've been batting sixth. Because the way it works when you play adult softball, it's it's lob pitch, and the fences aren't crazy long. So guys that can really lay into it, you know, it's you can. I mean, you can hit them out, and they limit the number of home runs you can hit. Yeah, so. I was um, what we like to do in our lineup is kind of spread out the, the power. So you're use, you're utilizing your home runs at an appropriate time. Like if I'm batting fourth and the guy that bats third can hit homers too, and he hits one, he, let's say he hits a three-run shot and I'm up, now it's just me. There's nobody on base. If I hit a solo shot, I mean, that's, that's pretty selfish. You can't be doing that. Yeah, okay. I, now I'm understanding. So that's phenomenal. I love that you're playing softball. That's just a blast. Declan, but, what did you learn from when we had my parents on that uh, about Patrick, Matthew, and myself in terms of uh, playing softball, playing sports in general? Yeah, so P.I., oldest oldest in the family, but easily the most athletic in the family. And I'm not looking for you to uh, you know unpack that because it's just obvious. I've seen you. I've seen you move. I've seen you. Uh, you just got a lot of explosive to you. It's fun playing catch with you, more so than Andrew, to be honest. Um can't really throw a spiral over there. Yeah, no, yeah but that's no. all right. We're we're working on him. We got you figured out, so we're <laughs> we're good to go. 
But anyways, like, so you're three or years older than Andrew, is that what you said? I am, yeah, born, okay, cool. born in 93. Love it, dude. Love it. Um, so you, where did you end up going to college right out of high school when you're 18? So graduated high school and I applied to, I actually only applied to about three schools. I applied to uh, uh, Dayton University, Iowa, and Indiana. And there's a little bit of family uh, connection with the University of Indiana down mm-hmm. in Bloomington. Um, our grandfather, our late Nunu, went there. I uh, had an uncle that went there, had uh, one, one, two, co- cousins, two one cousins, one cousin yeah. that went to Indiana. Um, so definitely some connection there. And I kind of had my mind set uh, when I was applying for college that I was going to go to uh, Indiana University down in Bloomington. Right on. And then how long were you there for? It lasted about a year, boys. A year. Lasted one year, two semesters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously there was some external activity going on, um, but... Did you feel after those two years like you had you were like, dude, I effed up. Now it's time to restart, or was it like, man, I I wish I could keep going there. You know, like what was the what was your mindset? I guess back then. Yeah, you know, I think when I look back on it, I don't, I, I don't think I was ready for school. Okay. I think that I wish that I maybe took a little bit of time off after high school, but you know, these days it's. It's just what you do. It's you know, the norm. You, it's the norm, mm-hmm. especially where Andrew and I grew up. You know, you graduate high school and you go to college. And you if go you're somewhere not, in the big time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, it's weird and kind of a little awkward when you're at, you know, some type of family event or you're in the neighborhood and talking to parents. And if you're not going to college, then, you know, what are you doing? So I, I decided to go. And mm-hmm. um, I think I just got lost in the crowd. Okay. I, uh, I got down there and I joined a fraternity. Um, so I did, you know, pledge ship for my entire first semester and my pledge ship down there, uh, with Sigma Pi university was, you know, it is, it was a lot. And I, I kind of immersed myself into that. Um, not only, you know, the, the day to day of being a pledge, but also the, the lifestyle of being in a fraternity, the partying that comes along with that. Um, I think almost from day one, that's where my mind was at. And I was there to do that instead of go to class, which sounds pretty effed in the head, but it's what it was. And, uh, my first semester was a disaster and I came home and had a conversation with, uh, my mom and dad. And we kind of, you know, laid down some ground rules and, um, and ex- expectations sure. if I was going to go back and my parents were willing to give me another shot. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't take it seriously enough and I got back down there and, uh, I'm, Back then, I was notorious for kind of stringing together some positives, like maybe a month of being solid, sitting up in class, like front row, had all my books ready, like kind of the surface of I'm a good college student, but right. underneath that surface, wasn't wasn't really ready to, to go to class and okay. to get ready for that, you know, to, to embark on that grind of being a college student. So two semesters after that spring semester, old man. You came Big home. John said, no way. No I mean, way. You're done. Yeah. So Not worth it. Nice. You're coming home. It's time to regroup and figure out the next step. And this is something I really do think our marketing interns would appreciate. You ended up, now correct me if I'm wrong, the timeline, but was it the next semester that you went to Carpe Diem and then Outward Bound or was that the following year? So it was, there was a, there was like half, there was one semester in there. So I got okay. home that summer. I worked at the track. Yep. Um, which, you know, kind of a knucklehead job, but made a little bit of money. Hey, we both did that. I know, I know. It's, it was cool. Man. It was great. It was, I mean, it was 
what it was. Yeah. You know. You say but knucklehead you're... job, like everyone's like, dude, I, we all we've all been there. We've all worked right. in knucklehead jobs yeah. before. I'm still working knucklehead jobs today, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, me as well. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, so that there was that summer, and then I actually that fall I decided to go to community college, mm-hmm. Harper Community College in Palatine, Illinois. Yep. Not too far from. Uh, mom and dad's house so I went there and then it didn't go great definitely passed classes but really Her it wasn't in it. it it wasn't in it and from from the very beginning when I got home after that year at Indiana I think mom had the idea that maybe it would be cool for me to do something different than go to school maybe school wasn't for me at that point which mm-hmm. it wasn't but you know in my head I'm like well I got to go back to school if it's community college then it's going to be a community college um, but after that semester, mom had to, she'd done some research and she, she came across this program called Carpe Diem Education. And that's, that's kind of the timeline when that, um, January. No, I think it was, fall, you worked with uncle Kent, correct? Oh yeah. You know, you're right. I think you are right. It was a fall semester. When maybe there wasn't, maybe there wasn't Harper in there. No, it might've been. I just know you started a fall semester. Okay. And so maybe it was a full year then. Okay. Right. So I, I mean, and then just it's a little wonky yeah. back then, but I know I was going to say that's spotty because there was just a lot going on. There was, I mean, um, I came back just, it was weird that I was back, you know, yeah. you were at home and I it was, don't know. Yeah. It's taken on, I think it was like sophomore, junior year, yeah. but we took, take me to Carpe Diem. You're going to, um, New Zealand, Fiji and Australia. And Correct. then that was that one semester. And then the following one was outward bound. And then that was Argentina the Andes Mountains, and yep. then you went to the Everglades. Correct, and finished up in North Carolina. So, um, so yeah, that, the Carpe Diem trip was in the fall. Yep, you're definitely correct on that. What year it was? I mean, it was it irrelevant. was <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. Irrelevant. I love irrelevant. that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this program was sweet. I mean, it, I look back and you know it could have gone better, but basically it was cultural immersion, student travel. A lot of volunteering and I was with it was myself and a group of it was 12 of us total so myself and 11 other uh, participants on the trip and we had two instructors and uh, I mean it I just we decided to do it and I was like let's do it I applied and talked to some people on the phone and got accepted to the program and the next thing I know I'm on a flight from Los Angeles to Fiji and it was the the trip was split up into three stages three phases of the trip fiji was the first part new zealand was the second part and then australia was the third part and i think it's important to quickly unpack the kind of the guidelines or the the policies of the trip yeah it was a zero tolerance trip so you couldn't drink or do drugs on the trip it was strictly you were there to experience different cultures and you know uh, help out people that are in need with different projects and really get to know um, the world from the perspective of just someone that's traveling around. Absolutely. And Fiji is a great, ex- like the one you told me about in Fiji, it was going to become the wet season, correct? Correct. And then you had to help them. Um, we built sidewalks. We built sidewalks. That's what it was. Yeah. From scratch, which was crazy. Yeah. So they had all the supplies ready and we, we kind of, we met a guy um, in the town before we we moved and met um, our homestay family, the the village that we were going to be living in. We were kind of in a a, a more city environment in Fiji. Um, Nandi is the capital, N A D I, Nandi Fiji. Um, and we met a guy that was kind of facilitating the whole project, and 
he there was money um kind of put together and all the supplies were sent to the village and by the time we got to the village everything was there i mean we we mixed concrete and that's awesome poured concrete and set up the different molds um with wood and steaks and i mean it was it was really cool i mean it, it was from scratch and we built a sidewalk system basically was it from the community to like irrigate to like their vegetation where was the, like what was the sidewalk it was purpose? kind of throughout the village okay um to get from like church to the main drag there was kind of a, a long road down the middle of the village um there was uh we did sidewalk from like the the mess hall or the community like the, the main building the community to the main road mm-hmm. um so what's it like um when you're in that situation, I mean, you're basically doing volunteer work for the whole that whole semester until Christmas, essentially, in these different exotic locations. Yeah. And the policies are you can't drink, you can't really do any drugs. I like saying that right now just makes like those shouldn't be that hard of stipulations. But like, I know I mean, it really shouldn't. I mean, it's pretty darn easy to do that. I mean, right. think about the the opportunity that I was, that I was presented. I mean, the right. opportunity to be able to go on this trip was pretty special. And, and I'm yeah, very lucky that I got to do that. But and it's not necessarily like pointing out that specifically, but you're not it's not school anymore at that point is what it really sounds like. I mean, you're doing manual labor in these exotic countries. So, I mean, it's a, a vacation, but it's not. So what was your mindset at that point where it's like, man, I just went to school. I hated it, you know, failed at some point, but now I'm doing this. Like, what would, how did it feel at that point? Felt great. I really enjoyed, um, how different it was being able to travel, being able to meet different people that, I mean, I never dreamed that I would be able to do something like this. Um, it was pretty special and I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. for, for the time that I was there. It was, it was awesome. I mean, totally different than the grind of you know reading a book and sitting in a classroom and taking right, a test right. i mean this is like real life experience um and it was through a school so you were getting school credit at portland i state. was yeah yep. it was through you could get college credit through portland state university and that's oh, really sweet. cool like everyone can do that and if they're not ready for school yet and they could still get college credit ready if like a gap year and i, I we have plenty of those people in um our marketing interns in that time frame right about to enter college or maybe like in college and like this isn't fit, like you can still get college credit and do something this cool with through a carpe diem. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. I highly recommend not only carpe diem, but just a gap year in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're, you have those three months and then the next part is these outward bound course. Yeah, which is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. Okay. Um, for those, the marketing interns out there that don't know about outward bound, it's kind of a wilderness expedition. Pro- it is a wilderness expedition program. Uh, there's a few of them out there. Outward Bound is one of the bigger ones. So this is not volunteering anymore. This, this is, is not. Exhibition. Like, what's ex, ex- Expedition. Ex- expedition. Ex- expedition with yes. the P right there, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not volunteering anymore. You know, we did have a really cool project set up um, down in South America after our big trek um, that took about a day. It was really cool. We went to a church and um, kind of assisted in rebuilding that church. It would already it had already been started, but mm-hmm. it was cool to just meet the locals and stuff like that. But right yeah, this was I mean we were out, this was outdoor stuff, okay. Backpacking, high altitude mountaineering, climbing. Um, that was phase one. Uh, yeah, so pick, pick something in phase one that you want to describe, like one of those days or one of those few days that was like, 
this needs to be talked about. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot. I mean, it, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to pick one thing. So phase one was down in Patagonia, Argentina, um, which is it's basically it's all mostly in Argentina, a little bit part little little part of Chile as well. Um, but Patagonia, it's huge. I mean, it's the Andes Mountains, um, and we we backpacked through the Andes Mountains for 24 days um, straight. Epic, right? I mean, some of the pictures I got, Andrew's seen them. If you flip through my Facebook, you'll probably see them too. But I think the one thing that I remember the most is when you're down there, it was summertime down there. Um, it was January, I think, end of January. And uh, that's the summer in the Southern Hemisphere, opposite flips. People forget that. People mm-hmm. do forget, yeah. Um, but there were days when we got all four seasons in one day. Which I thought was so cool. I mean, where else in the world can you go and get the vibe of all four seasons in in 24 hours? I mean, we woke up one morning and we're in a valley, this beautiful sunny valley. The flowers are out. You know, it's it's 60 degrees. It's like springtime. And you start your hike in the morning, and you're maybe you're climbing that day. You're going up in elevation, however many feet. I don't know. I mean, let's call it 2,500 feet. You're going up. That's a, that's that's high up as far as atmosphere and temperature wise and the weather's different. I mean, you're, you're looking up somewhere and it doesn't look that far, but you get up there and it's a totally different vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got some flurries and in the morning it was sunny and you were swimming in the lake, you know? Yeah, so you're getting like winter and then you, you're making your way back down, maybe into a valley and you know, the sun's going down and it's just a different vibe. You could be getting like fall. I mean, it, it was, it was wild waking up in the morning and being able to jump on a lake comfortably and swim like a morning swim. And then by noon you were, you know, I don't know, 9,000 feet up and it's snowing. I mean, that's not, it's so cool. Yeah. Yes. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, so you're crazy. in the Andes mountains and then I, I'm going to kind of guide you along in the things that I thought were the most interesting. And it's one of the things that you taught me or told me about was those isolation periods. Was that every phase you had an isolation period? Correct. Okay, so phase one, you have an isolation period in Patagonia, and describe that for our marketing interns. Yeah, so uh, we were right on the border of Argentina and Chile, and we decided our instructors decided to. This was gonna. They, they call it a solo, and uh, yeah. it's it was twenty four hours by yourself, in in nature. Patagonia nature. in nature, mm. and no they, they 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 took us each individually. We 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 were in a group in the morning. We had a campsite, kind of a base, and they uh, they took us out one by one. They walked us. It was kind of weird, actually. The two instructors and you, and they're kind of talking to you, prepping you, um, and they take you out. Probably walked for twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, "All right, this is your spot." I mean, you look around, and you're just you're. I mean, we were in the mountains, in the woods, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a little tarp with some rope, sleeping bags, sleeping pad. Uh, minimal food. I think I had an orange and an apple, some crackers, a little bit of cheese. There was a water source nearby, which was great. And uh, that was it. I mean, I had nothing else. They didn't let us take a book with us. I had, I actually had a journal and a pencil. I had a pad of paper and a pencil. And uh, they were like, all right, we'll be back, you know, for you in 24 hours. So see you later. And that was it. I mean, that was it. And I was, I just, I was, it was me and myself and I, you know, I spent the first maybe six hours 
making the coolest campsite I could possibly think of, like every detail. Like the tarp that I set up was badass. I mean, it was sweet. If if it was, it didn't rain, but if it was, if it was gonna rain, I was gonna be dry. Um, yeah, and I mean, and you know, I I did some push-ups and I did a little bit of journaling, and and then for a lot of time, I, I just sat there. I really, I just sat there, and I just I just thought about life and kind of like a meditation, pretty much. Yeah, that's it's what it was. And I woke up, you know, when I, I went to bed when the sun went down and woke up when the sun came up and that was about it. I mean, they took our watch from us. So I didn't know what time it was. Um, wow. Yeah. So I did that two more times. Second one, one was in each. Florida. Okay. And then the last one was in uh, North Carolina. Was there a point where you're like, I mean, we'll call it meditation during these isolation periods. Was there a time where you were just really... You were so in your own mind that you kind of lost touch with reality. No, not long enough. Not long enough. I'm sure maybe if you were out there by yourself for, you know, maybe a week, you might get a little wonky. But okay. Well, in terms of like time, though, I mean, you don't have a watch, and you only know what time it is by based on the sun. Right. So are you just like? I'm just trying to think of like. You don't, you can't keep track of like how long 20 minutes is or how long 10 minutes is. So you don't, and you're just kind of doing random activities. Yeah, I think it was irrelevant, really, Declan. I okay, mean, okay. I think I wasn't That's really, awesome. I wasn't thinking about what time it was. Right. Honestly, the only right. thing I can't even, I honestly can't even look back and tell you what I was thinking about because I was probably just, I mean, anything that came across my head, I probably really dove into and thought about intensely for, you know, maybe 10 minutes. But then a new thought comes in your head and then, I'm thinking about that, but as far as time, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I, I it wasn't on my mind about right. is it like three thirty, is it three thirty or three forty five? Or <laughs> have I, you gone back and read any of those journals? I actually have. I kept them all, and uh, all, everything from that trip, from my hour bound trip, is in one journal. Um, and I haven't looked back on it maybe in like a year or so, but mm-hmm. I remember uh, when I got out of uh, treatment, I read them. And just kind of looked back because I was thinking about that trip a lot. And, um, yeah, the stuff I was writing, I mean, it was, it was, was it cool. crazy or is it like, oh, I remember writing this. It was kind of crazy. I, I didn't really remember a lot of what I was thinking about or what I was jotting down. There were a lot of goals on there. There are a lot of things that I wanted to improve on in my life. Um, you're so clear headed when you're on a trip like that. I mean, you, we were in the back country for the whole trip was about three and a half months. And I'd say 85% of it was back country where you're, you're you're not at all interacting with anything in in the world you know as far as like cars and people and phones and, and the food comes life. out on a horse or a... yeah we had uh in patagonia we had three resupplies and one of those three we we weren't by any roads or anything like that mm-hmm. um so the food was brought to us by like sherpa sherpa type people you know on horses no way yeah <laughs> Because when you're backpacking, you can only take so you can't take three weeks worth of food with you. Mm. So there's got to be some type of resupply at some point. Right. Um, that makes sense. Different when you're canoeing. So when you're so that was another three months. So that was pretty much fall and spring semester for you. Correct. Okay. Yep. And then what was like the next step for you? Oh man, it was kind of all over the place. Um, I came back home and I went to a community college um, on and off for maybe about a year, year and a half, worked various jobs. Um, yeah, living at home with my parents, 
I think Andrew was taken off for school at one point. I was, he was going to St. Thomas and, um, yeah, you know, I was in a weird spot. I, uh, I didn't have a lot of motivation. Intention. A lot of intention. I like that. You know, I was kind of just stuck in the mud. I was at home and, um, when you just got back from this sweet trip, I like, know. I don't. I don't. Well, it's tough to. You know, where do you go from there? That's I'm not what qualified I'm to be an instructor, and it's like a, it's like at least financially, it's like going to school for a semester, and I wasn't going to go on another trip. Um, I don't know. I just I came back to Mount Prospect, Illinois, and I I just fell into a lot of the same routine, a lot of the same habits that I mm-hmm. had when I left. So. Okay, so you're yeah. in community college for what another year about? Yeah, um, I mean that, that. I got back from my hour bound trip in the spring. If I'm if I'm looking at it correctly, the spring of 2014, and then between then and my journey out west to Arizona, which was the the summer of 2016. That that time in there, it's like two years ish. Okay, a little over two years. Okay, I was at home. And, you know, one, one of the, one of the semesters I might've went to community college and got a little bit of college credit, you know, um, I was working, uh, a couple different jobs. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I really wasn't doing a whole lot boys. Yeah. <laughs> I was in, I was in Mount Prospect, Illinois and yeah. kind of, uh, mooching off mom and dad. Well, and I can honestly see why or how. You would just like if like if I'm putting myself in your shoes right now, I'm just like, man, what would I what else would I do than just like kind of go out, hang out with buddies, grab a couple beers, like do this, do that. Like if I didn't have any motivation to an external motivation for school or some sort of goal or intention in your case, it's like there's not much else to do other than just kind of have fun and try and find some happiness somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. I couldn't agree with you more. And unfortunately that happiness came in the form of drugs and alcohol. And, but dude, that's the reality, man. That's, yeah. that happens all the time to people. And like, it's cool hearing it from you more so. And like, you're walking us through this whole story and you, now you're seeing like, Oh, okay. So there was just a, there was just a lull. It wasn't, it wasn't there. You just didn't have that intention behind what your path was going to be. You didn't have a path. No, so your I didn't. Path, everyone's path is happiness. Everyone's path is happiness. Finding love in some manner. Yeah. And if you if you just you don't put yourself on the right path, whether it's school or some intention towards a goal or a career, it's hard to it's hard to really find a deeper passion that makes you happy. Yeah. And I totally get that. It was. Yeah, I mean I, I just didn't I uh I was pretty disappointed in myself just kind of where I was in life and I had a hard time vocalizing that to just the people around me. And I, I kind of buried my head in the sand a little bit and turned to, you know, things that made me feel good instantly, which mm-hmm. unfortunately was drinking, going out yeah. and, uh, and doing drugs. And, you know, I, uh, I formed a lot of really bad habits and didn't, I kind of became, I did, I, I became a, not a great person, uh, just sure. kind of just who I was and how I interacted with people and my honesty level was at an all time low, um, right. which, you know, all comes with, comes with, uh, someone that struggles with addiction. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, those two years were tough for, I think the family, I mean, yeah. for everyone. So I could see that. 
And uh, what better person to have so, like someone like yourself on our show when our core attribute, when you boil down the back pocket, what we are about is growth and development. Like that's what we preach. We do. We talk about our goofy growth and development on the podcast, whether it's figuring out how to do YouTube and then the next thing, creating a company. Now we're doing some actually like real tangible things, the things that we've grown on. We could, that's a long story. You could just follow us on the podcast, <laughs> but yourself, your growth from the, what you're talking about right now to where we are today, it's. 2018 you're about to be two years sober and we're having this conversation i mean i couldn't be more prouder to be you have you as my older brother to set these examples and learn from you i mean my my experience with you has been right you said it yourself it's been ups and downs like there was those tough periods but like we are living together in the twin cities that's pretty cool right now like we are the ones that have left kind of our home base matthew has now left home base and we get to experience this together it's awesome. It's great. I mean, I love, I love, it was crucial to have you up here. I mean, over the last two years, it was pretty special. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you could come visit me at treatment, it wasn't that far away. And um, just having you around for the last two years. I mean, I've seen you consistently week to week and it's been pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. and really I love cool. the Twin Cities. Shout out. I mean, yeah. yes. shout out to the Twin Cities. Yeah, awesome. seriously. Great, I mean, it's a great area. spot to live. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. I've set down some roots here and I feel comfortable up here. I have a great group of friends and it's going well. So that this was, you went to Arizona for a short stint. Short stint. Okay. How long was that stint? Uh, exactly? I moved. I moved. Uh, drove down there and uh, had a little apartment um, in uh, August of 2016. Okay. And then you ended up coming to the Twin Cities. October. October. Two years ago. Checked into treat. Checked into treatment on okay. October 17th. Wow. So I, uh, yeah. I got sober on the 14th of October. It's wild. What's that decision like? You know what? Um, I I don't want to go too much into it. I was no, in a, I was in a tough spot, um, really down on myself, and I saw where my life was going. And I finally was willing to admit to myself that it was because of all these external. drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I mean, it, it's why I was I was being held back. It, it had a hold on me, and I couldn't shake it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to get some help, and that help came in the form of going to treatment. Nice. And uh, I, I, I can remember I called mom and told her that I was ready to get some help. And it was so funny because you know, you know, mom, she's she's a planner, and uh, <laughs> she is. I mean, she she's ready for anything, and right. she knew exactly where to send me. She's like, "Oh, all right, I'm, I'm flying out. We're gonna we're gonna get ready for this." I think she expected it. I think uh, mom and dad knew that there was a problem for some time. And actually, looking back, I knew I had a problem for a while. I just wasn't ready to quit yet. And I finally was ready. And she's like, all right, you're going to you're gonna go to Minnesota. 24 hours, you're in my back door. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> all of us, yeah, I get, off, I get off the plane, and there's Andrew with mom getting ready no to way. drop me off. So that's so cool, though, like the awareness of yourself and the wherewithal, the just the grit to be able to man up and really understand and make a decision that changed your life. I appreciate that. Um, like, think about that. Like, that was a life-changing event. It's huge. I mean, it's it's a pivotal point in my life when yeah. I was ready to make a change, a right. big change. Um, because where I am today and where I would be if I didn't make that change, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. I mean, I might I might not even I might be in the dirt <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. So I think um, it's huge. Yeah. So I really I appreciate the shout out. Yeah. Well, and. I think what we did here too is just like kind of normalize it because I come from a family where I'm like the oldest and it's, it's just kind of your all American family, nothing 
not a lot of adversity, put it that way. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that too who, who've not gone through a significant amount of adversity, such as your story. It's different. It's Everyone different. has different adversity. Right. Okay, I'm not yeah. going to disregard other people's uh, tri- trials and tribulations. Sure. This was different. Yeah. But ex- thanks for continuing. Yeah, me on you're that. good. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. And I think people look at it very like, oh, like he's he's sober. Like something must have went wrong or something. It's like, well, yeah, but he's still a freaking person. Like you got to treat these people as as people you know and i think that gets lost a lot of the times but you you're lost because you don't know the story and i think that's what we did was just get that story normalize it and still understand that this is pretty freaking sweet you yeah got a lot of time left you're a young dude man. i know man it's slow and steady i mean the two years is great and i'm very excited for you know it's you know tomorrow i'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes and when october 4th or october 14th comes sure. you know sure. i'll pat myself on the back but That'll be about it. Um, it's another opportunity a, to work. Exactly. Another opportunity to work. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, we don't need to talk too much about people that struggle with addiction. And, you know, it's I tough. think long story short, it, it holds on to you. It grabs hold of you and it becomes the number one thing in your life. It's really mm-hmm. all you think about. Yeah. You put the blinders on and it forces you to make some really poor decisions um, that just you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to go anywhere in life. Um, you're, you're struggling and I was struggling. So, mm-hmm. so how about this though? You're, you've gone to college. I don't know how many times, but college has been a theme of this story. And I feel like every single time there just was never like a, I really want to be in school, but now looking at you, you want to be in school. Like what, what are you doing nowadays? At I, yeah, I'm a student, a full-time student. I am a junior. So I'll have this semester, in the spring and then another year so i'm uh i'm getting there about halfway done studying studying biology nice yeah there's uh you know as far as what i'm gonna do with that i'm still kind of working through it um part of me thinks it'd be really cool to be a teacher um the other part of me thinks you know maybe get out um get outside doing field work trying to better in the environment um Mm. there's a lot of opportunity there yeah you know we'll see i think just interacting on campus and talking to my teachers and talking to other students that are studying the same thing, um, you know, some doors will open up and I'll take it from there. But, you know, one the one thing that I've learned over the last two years is to just really focus on the here and now. And yeah. today was, you know, changing things up in my apartment, you know, moving furniture around. And tomorrow I have four classes and that'll be that, you know. And I think it really helps me just kind of slow things down when I get really ahead of myself. I start to future trip, mm-hmm. you know, those thoughts – of just being overwhelmed, come back in your head and, yeah. you know. Well, anxiety. I mean, if you if you look too much in the future, you get anxious. If you look too much in the past, you get depressed. Exactly. And being in the center, in the middle, that's where you want to be. That's, yeah. That's the golden spot. Finding balance, living in the now. They're all important. And one thing that we are doing right now, we're on the back pocket. So we have... We're kind of over time on the typical marketing intern spotlight. So Yeah, we can we can keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. And I have three questions for you. Okay. These are the back pocket core questions when it comes nice. to the marketing intern spotlight. First one is the one we ask actually every guest. What is your average quality? Um, well, I, I'm wildly average at a lot of things. Um, most recently, though, I um, like Declan pointed out earlier, I, I'm a pretty good athlete, um, and I decided to play soccer for a rec league on campus. The, the community that I live in has a team, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I decided to give it a go. And we had our first games on Thursday night. And holy cow, I am so average at soccer. And not only just playing soccer, but I think just understanding soccer. Like the flow. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't – spacing on the field. Yoga. No clue. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll just hustle and be aggressive. No, that doesn't work. I mean, I played goalie for the first half. I was wildly average. I mean, I made some saves, and then I looked silly on some others. Mm. So nothing you do there, but hey, that's that's fun that you're playing though. That's yeah. sick. Yeah, it's cool, but I mean, soccer is just it's so foreign. I mean, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm so <laughs> average. We just unpacked this a few podcasts ago, but the new is typically an average quality. When you try something for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and then you want to do it another time, that's you're obviously going to improve from one to two. So the first time you do it, oh, I'm I'm average at spacing and understanding that I need to have more patience in soccer. The next time you do it. That it might not be your average quality. It might you might find another thing that's average, and you improved on those two. So there you go. You okay. got some growth going. Yeah, there's gonna be. Yeah, hopefully there's gonna be some growth. I mean, I'm playing again on Thursday. So okay, there we go. We'll see how Alleg- it goes. Alleged. Allegedly, I mean, so you, if they'll have me back, I don't know. <laughs> so when someone asks you like, "Oh, why don't they sprint everywhere in soccer?" Do you have an answer for them? Um, it's you know, from what I picked up and talking to people that play a lot more soccer than I do, I think, um, you know, it's all about spacing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you can't just follow the ball around, which, like, I haven't played soccer since I was a kid. You know, I since think, you did I think Andrew played, too. You played soccer, too, right? And yeah, until, like, You just follow the ball. You just run around, yeah. and you're aggressive, and you hustle, and you follow the ball, and when you have the ball, you kick it towards the net. That's just not the case anymore. <laughs> no. That's what I did. I was I was aggressive, as, and I probably got – now I get, like, a red card every five yeah. seconds because I'd be kicking <laughs> people like, in I, I don't think I've ever gotten flustered as much as I did in a sport or just being – being in some type of competitive athletic mm-hmm. atmosphere, I was so flustered. I mean, when you have the ball and there's defenders like near you, yeah. and you don't have like really anywhere to go, and no- nobody's like wildly open, mm-hmm. like I I just didn't know what to do with the ball, so I panicked and like kicked it downfield and then go out of bounds. And it's like, yeah. All right. like ah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny, dude. I love that. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, you know, but right, Find, on, finding a role. Question? Yep. P.I., what is in your back pocket? And a framework for this question is something where you're in a high-stress, high-pressure situation and you've got to rely on some sort of mental attribute to, to get the job done and be on the positive side of that outcome. Um, well, you know, putting it like that, I, I kind of dove into it a little differently when I was thinking about the question. Yeah, take your interpretation and run with it. Yeah, I like the way you put it, but... I. As far as an answer for that, I'm going to have to think for a second. Don't, no worries. Um, when I was thinking about it today, I was thinking about something that, like, not meta- like not in your back pocket, but something metaphorically that's in your back pocket is, like, something that's always there. Like, yeah. when um, when times are, like, when you need, like, a Kickstarter or something like that. Yeah. Or um, is that kind of what you're Yeah, that's, that's, that's what yeah. we're getting at. Mm-hmm. So, as far as my answer, the one thing that came to mind instantly, and I'm not super proud of it, is um, <laughs> is nicotine and caffeine. Mm, right on. I know. You're shaking your head mm. over there. That's <laughs> I, I honestly, like, it's, I don't know. I lean on it a lot. And, like, when times are tough or when times are great, that's, that's what I'm going to. Tycho's over here laughing. I know. It's, it's awesome. a little, it's kind of messed up. It is when I think about it. But it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, maybe you get a few laughs if you're a listener right now. No, I, that's, that's I lean we're... on. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's reality, dude. What yeah, that? that's, I mean, that's, sweet. that's, I don't know. That's what still came to mind. I mean, that is always in my back pocket. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, Fantastic. That's, that's a great answer. Yes. I love, All right, I love every you. bit of that. All right, now our final question. What did you learn today from the time that you woke up to watch the Ryder Cup and now to when we're having this conversation 20 minutes before the Steelers kick off on Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens? I think uh, you can't do it all. That was like the theme of today. I was, I'm still exhausted. I'm a little more stimmied now that we've done this. This has been really fun, and thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no Shout fun. out to the back pocket. I'm a huge fan. Um, but you know, I today I was really tired, and I was like, I really, I think the last three days have kind of strung together, and it's felt like one giant day with the Ryder Cup and not really sleeping that much. And yesterday I traveled back to Chicago and drove back up with a bunch of furniture and U-Haul truck, and I, I just I'm exhausted. And today. I was rearranging things and trying to do a lot today, and I actually did get a lot done, but almost at the expense of my health. I mean, I just yeah. I feel really beat. Um, so I think the one thing I learned today, or, or at least was reminded about, maybe relearned, is um, you know you can't do it all. Sometimes you know you just need to be okay with um, what you've accomplished, and then you know attack something following day, not, not try and get it all done and. In one day, which I actually really struggle with, but I'm trying to get patience, it all done. Patience, man. Day. I know. Yeah. Patience. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty patient person, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll <laughs> all good. Yeah. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys.